you know, you're having a hard time in algebra or pre-algebra and everybody's in tears and everybody's mad. That's a perfect time to pray, you know, or in the middle of bad attitudes or they're mad at you and you're mad at them. That's the perfect time to pray. There is actually, there's no wrong time or bad time to pray. Hi, you're listening to the Zan Tyler Podcast. This podcast is brought to you by BJU Press Homeschool. Homeschooling is an exciting adventure we take with our children. One of the most challenging parts of this journey is choosing the curriculum you want to use. BJU Press Homeschool is a curriculum you can trust. All the books, resources, and videos have been designed with you and your child in mind. Their curriculum is educationally robust and rich, taking into account that children have different learning styles, strengths, and needs. Mom, you are in charge. BJU Press Homeschool is here to come alongside and support you. Do you need help with the teaching load or is there a subject you just don't want to teach? Their amazing video courses are available for all grades and almost every subject. BJU Press Homeschool believes that homeschooling can produce a new generation of students who know God, love their neighbors, and stand firm in their faith. For more information, go to BJUPressHomeschool.com. That's BJUPressHomeschool.com. Hey, and welcome to the Zan Tyler podcast today. We are so glad that you're here. We think we have a really encouraging podcast and topic for you. So my dear, dear friend, my bestie, Nancy Manos, and I are going to talk about what to do on the hard days of homeschooling and when those hard days work their way into hard seasons. So first of all, Nancy and I just want to be the first ones to say that most of our days are good or have good things in all of the days. And so we don't want to paint a discouraging picture of homeschooling, but we do want to acknowledge the fact that when you're doing something as significant as homeschooling, it is going to be hard and you will have hard days. And so we are so thankful that we serve a God who works all things together for good. The hard times, the good times, the times when we feel like failures, the times when we feel like we have it all together and we're doing a great job as a mom and a teacher. And so without further ado, hey, Nancy. Hey, Zan. Thanks so much for suggesting this topic. We brainstorm a lot on what we can talk about. Nancy, how long did you homeschool? We homeschooled our girls from preschool through high school. So for about a 17-year period, they're 20 months apart. So I kind of did all my homeschooling together. Um, Unlike people with lots of kids where they get to learn and uh, adapt, I did not. And Joe and I homeschooled our three kids from kindergarten through high school. So so together, we have a whole lot of homeschool experience. We've had a whole lot of great days, and we've had a whole lot of hard days and failures. So this is just something from my heart and Nancy's heart to you that we hope will encourage you to keep on keeping on when the times get hard. So Nancy, you said something that really meant so much to me. And then I want to get you to share a few things. You shared that we need to remind moms that when our, mostly when we have hard days, it's not our kids giving us a hard time, is that they're having a hard time. And I think that, that that's a really good distinction to make because when we're in the middle of a day that just goes south, if we can remember that, we don't take it so personally. And yeah. we have some strategies and some suggestions we're going to make for you now on what to do with the hard days. So, Nancy, take it away. 
<laughs> That's awesome. You know, looking back, you have so much perspective, right? When you're in the middle of it and there's sticky floors and toys everywhere and you have to have dinner and they want lunch and breakfast and snacks and clean clothes. Um, you know, there's I know. So Can you imagine they want clean clothes every day? Well, some kids don't care, but... <laughs> There's just so much that we're juggling. And, you know, a lot of moms are working in addition to homeschooling and serving at church and, you know, all the things that we're involved in. And it can feel overwhelming. And if it's challenging, like maybe you have that hard kid that likes to dig in their heels and maybe not just jump in and do their schoolwork when it's time or, you know, whatever the situation, there's so many and we could list a bunch, but you know your situation. The reality is that God has given us our kids. And what helped me the most was to homeschool with the end in mind. So, and of course, I didn't have this perspective in our early years. It came through experience over the time that we homeschooled. But just thinking like at the end, when my youngest graduated and I looked back on our homeschool experience, what did I want to feel about that? How did I want you know, to look back and, and experience our homeschool, like, what was it? And so that helped me in the middle of those moments, when my kids were having a hard time, and it was my job to be the adult, um, and regulate my emotions so that they could regulate their emotions. Um, it just helped me to make wiser decisions in the moment in those challenging moments. You know, one thing you talked about, um, as we're just discussing all of our ideas together is taking a deep breath, just like you said, um, gaining our composure. But Nancy, you talk a lot when you speak and uh, when you're working with homeschool moms now, you talk a lot about being a joy hunter. So tell us what that means and why that's so significant to you. You know, I love this idea and it's not my own. Um, Heather Hopped was the first one that shared it with me. Um, years ago, we spoke at a, a homeschool group together and she shared this idea and I clung to it. Um, you know, when, whether it's, you've got one that's daydreaming and doesn't want to focus, or you've got, you know, your kids are all squabbling or nobody wants to listen to you or, you know, maybe it just genuinely, for whatever reason, is a tough day, tough week um, to stop and look for what you can be thankful for, you know, and ask your kids these questions. What can we be thankful for right now? Like everybody just stop. Um, how has God showed himself big on our behalf? You know, this week, this month, this day, whatever. Um, and then, you know, just stopping and um, being grateful, I think is a great way to be a joy hunter. Um, what can we be thankful for? But then just that whole mindset of there's always something going right in the midst of when things are going difficult. Um, and then there's always something that we can be thankful for. And so those are ways just to me, like even asking your kids those questions um, really helps adjust kind of shake things up and refocus us on you know how is god helping us right now and then to stop and pray together you know that can be a great way to kind of get your joy back mm -hmm. in your homeschool 
And, you know, I, I love that. Um, one of my favorite characters in the Bible is Daniel. And we see when Daniel and his three friends have just been, you know, they've been kidnapped from their home in Jerusalem or Judah. They're taken um, to Babylon and they're put in this elite school uh, for King Nebuchadnezzar, where, where the goal is for them to forget God and Israel's God and God's word, just to obliterate the memory that by this point in Daniel's life, his default setting is prayer. And when their lives are threatened by Nebuchadnezzar, because nobody can tell him the dream, none of the wise men can tell the dream, he gets his, the first thing he just does automatically is get his friends together to pray. And, you know, how good is that to develop that habit in our kids where, you know, you're having a hard time in algebra or pre-algebra and everybody's in tears and everybody's mad. That's a perfect time to pray. You know, yes. or in the middle of bad attitudes or they're mad at you and you're mad at them. That's the perfect time to pray. There is actually there's no wrong time or bad time to pray. Right. So I, I love that you bring that out. And Nancy, I know she lives her life that way. And she often reminds me to pray in the midst of frustrating um, circumstances even now. So uh, this gal practices what she preaches. And I love <laughs> well, that about her. <laughs> I love that. I have to remind myself, you know, there are things where it's like, oh, wait, I mean, I joy is a core value in my life. It's a core way I live my life. And there are things that come up where my flesh just wants to complain and, you know, this isn't fair and whatever. And I have to go time out. Okay, what do we do when this happens, when this comes up? And we just go to God in prayer, remind ourselves what we're thankful for and ask him to help us. Like, He's the creator of the universe, which I love. He lives inside of us and he wants to give us creative solutions. So that's, I mean. And he wants our move. homeschool to succeed. That's right. Exactly. That's right. So, all right. So, so one thing that I have found, even um, uh, being with my grandkids now who range in age from two to 26, um, is that sometimes you just need to change the subject or change the scenery. Everybody wakes up in a bad mood, <clears throat> there were just sometimes I would wake up as a homeschool mom and I would think traditional school bookwork classwork is not happening today. So what can we do instead to make the day still count to be filled with good things, worthy things, but but to delay the schoolwork a day. And I was reading, I used to just sort of feel guilty when we would take a day off like that. And then I read this book called The Brilliant Idiot, and it's an autobiography by a dyslexic man who has his PhD. And he, he grew up in a primitive, primitive school situation in Canada where he was beaten when he couldn't get his lessons done. So he loves now to counsel people. He counsels people through this book. One of the things he talks about is morning fog. He would say even as an adult, he would wake up and just have morning fog where he knew that he could not handle academics that day. And so, you know, one of the things that I think is just have a list of field trips ready when you wake up and you know school is not happening today. So let's redeem the time and still do something positive and meaningful. And so, you know, there are museums, there are all kinds of things probably in your area that you can do, but have a list. If you live near the Capitol, list the state house. If you live near museums, list those museums and then interview your kids and say, 
what if we take if we want to take a day off in the months to come what would you like to do they may just tell you they want to go to a pond and fish or they want to go see their grandparents or you know so have this list of you know more academic things like a museum and more service oriented things like visiting grandparents and you can even tell them today we're going to spend the morning with a field trip or this activity and let them choose or you choose and get them excited about it because your excitement will create that so um so i, I i'm a great believer in changing the scenery when things get real dicey or you just know that school is not going to be profitable that day well i love that you the suggestion to have a list have a plan so that because what will happen is you'll put in a movie you'll whatever you know screens tend to be the default um and i i understand that they're the default for me when i'm having a bad day i want a netflix and snack so um, <laughs> but having a plan then when those days come you're not what are we going to do? You're not scrambling because you've already thought it through. That's brilliant. Even if you decide to stick it out with the school day, change the subject. Literally, you know, you can change what you're talking about. You can bring in some hands on activities. I just want to thank our the sponsor for the Zantyler podcast, BJU Press Homeschool. In their teacher's manuals, they give tons of hands on experiments that you can do with your kids so that you don't have to be the one to come up with all the ideas. You can flip through in almost any of the teacher's manual and find great um, hands-on illustrations. So I just wanna give a shout out to them for making life easier for homeschool moms. Nancy, you're much more, you know, you're the queen of hands-on stuff. So talk for just a minute about how hands-on activities can really pull you out of the doldrums or, you know, quibbling and sibling rivalry, that type of thing. Right. Well, I think we can, you know, we need to get our work done. We want our children to learn math and grammar and science and geography and history and all those things. But there's different ways that we can cover those subjects and there's ways that we can mix things up. So I love that. Um, I always kept a craft cabinet. I would come, you know, save the toilet paper tubes and, you know, whatever, just had a whole thing. We had paint supplies. We had perler beads. I don't know if you remember those, but with a million perler beads um, and just tons of paints and drawing supplies and things. And sometimes what my kids needed was just, you know, the afternoon to be creative, to not have a, an assignment. We're going to create this thing, but just to relax by being creative. Other times it was, you know, let's um, act this story out or retell it or make puppets and do a puppet show or, you know, whatever, where we just read this thing in a Bible or history or, you know, that kind of thing. And turning things into games is another way. You know, we did a lot of concentration games, whether it was learning the state abbreviations or science terms or Spanish, where you have two different colors of paper and you put words on one and definitions on another and you sit on the floor and play a game of concentration where you match. Um, you know, so there's tons of ways. Um, and I do have like a free handout on my website with a bunch of ideas, but just even taking the same subject and approaching it a different way. Or um, there were days, math was probably our hardest subject. Um, and part of that was my fault because we started with a curriculum that didn't work well. And so by the time we hit second grade, my kids were like, we hate math. We're no good at math. 
So I had like a big <laughs> curve to overcome, um, even when we finally found a resource that worked well for us. But it was, okay, let's do some math games. Let's explore this subject in a different way. And then sometimes it was, we're going to skip math today because everyone's crying, you know, and then let's come at it in a fresh way. And Nancy, one thing you um, have also, we've discussed and you've talked about some is just sensory issues that can be problems with kids or they didn't get enough sleep or. So I think it's really important to pay attention to those trigger, um, whether it's a behavior issue or, you know, maybe they didn't get enough sleep and they're just crabby. I mean, I'm not the cheeriest person when I haven't had enough sleep, um, you know, which is a joy in the 50s. Um, <laughs> the, um, you know, if, if you have a child who's sensitive to noise, maybe you get some of those um, noise canceling headphones and it tunes out the rest. Like there are some kids who legitimately the sound of chewing or page turning sets mm -hmm, them on mm -hmm. edge. Well, that's not fun. That's not a fun homeschool day. And so just look at your kids, look at their diet. Um, food dyes are a big behavior trigger. Um, you know, sugar, sugar, sugar was a huge trigger foods. for one of my kids. Yeah. Oh yeah. And you know, you think you're having to treat, but you're setting yourself up for a terrible afternoon. <laughs> and we're not suggesting that you cancel school every day because one person no. has no, no, no. Yes, <laughs> that's right. That's I mean, right. it can be tempting, but we're not suggesting that. No, because you'll end up with, you know, um, 30 days of school instead of, you know, 180 <laughs> or whatever. But just being flexible, that's the beauty of homeschooling, the freedom that it gives us. You know, maybe you have teenagers and they need some extra sleep so you don't start at 8 a.m. You know, maybe school starts at noon in your house. You know, isn't that crazy? So I read this article when my boys were teenagers, when the boys were like 15 and 13, my daughter Lizzie was six. And so there was quite an age span. But you know, I read this article that said, if you can do two things for teenagers, give them plenty of sleep and give them plenty of light, you know, not artificial light, but real light. And so I thought, what two easy things to incorporate? I found sometimes, especially if they had soccer tournaments or later when Lizzie was in community theater and we'd have late play rehearsals before productions, that sometimes <clears throat> we would start at 10 o'clock in the morning and just work through until we got everything done. Now, that was not the norm, but we can really adjust, especially in those teenage years, for the extra sleep and the extra daylight that they need. Well, and their activities. I love that about homeschooling. You know, our kids have so many opportunities. I think that's one of the biggest fears that new parents have is my kids are going to miss out, but they don't. They actually get so many more opportunities and we can set our schedule around, you know, if we know, say there's a play this week and there's going to be rehearsals every night and you know you're going to be out you can adjust your schedule for that. And I love that. You know, one other way I want to talk about flexibility is just flexibility within the average school day. Because I had um, my oldest son, Ty, who's very smart, but he's a kinesthetic learner. 
auditory kinesthetic learner. Um, for those of you who have never talked about learning styles or read about them, there are three ways that kids learn. This is very oversimplified, but maybe it's helpful. Auditory learners learn by hearing and by talking. Um, kinesthetic learners learn by moving and doing, and then visual le learners learn um, by sight, by seeing. And one book I read by this expert was that auditory kinesthetic learners, bless their hearts, they, every, the way they learn by talking and moving are two unacceptable behaviors in most classrooms. <clears throat> and so with homeschooling, you can flex with that. Mm -hmm. They have plenty of room to talk. They have plenty of room to move. Let them bounce a ball or stand on their heads or, you know, do move whatever they need to do while they're learning. And the other thing is just to take breaks during the daytime. Yep. I mean, we would, time needed more breaks. Now, John and Lizzie had longer attention spans. And, you know, that is neither good nor bad. It just is what it is. And we are there to meet each child where they are. Yeah. and help them learn the best. And so we would just, we just incorporated a lot of breaks during the day. As a matter of fact, Ty was the first one to go to college when he left to go to school. I just felt like you know, when, when your first child leaves home with homeschooling, you feel like your right arm has been cut off and you're bleeding on the floor and you're going to die because that family unit has been disrupted for the first right. time. And, uh, but one of the funny things that happened was John and Lizzie. So Lizzie was probably nine at this point. And John was 17 and we're sitting around the tables doing our work. And Lizzie said, okay, mom, we got to change up the schedule because John and I have been sitting at this kitchen table now for the, or the dining room table for about six hours a day. Ever since Ty left, the fun is gone. <laughs> and she said at this rate, I think I'm going to finish high school in like two years, six months and seven days. I mean, she had it down to a formula and she's like in the sixth grade. And she said, so we, we've got to incorporate breaks even though we don't always feel like we need them. And so you, you do want to keep the that. days interesting. And, yes. you know, we, we, um, I met with an educational diagnostician at one point to talk to him about homeschooling. And he said, you know, Zan, because you feel guilty as a homeschooling mom, am I taking too many breaks? Do you feel guilty about that? Am I taking not enough breaks? You can, I mean, we can feel guilty about anything as a homeschool mom, you know, and, True. and I was feeling guilty about the breaks and reading aloud too much, or maybe helping too much with writing. Maybe I'm helping the kids too much. And he said, listen, you have incorporated things into your school day that I beg traditional teachers to do. And I just have made very little progress in that arena. And he said, you know, I've never thought much of homeschooling, but if I could tell parents, I would say, this is a great way to educate kids. And he was not a homeschooling advocate before we talked. And, and I just thought, wow, he has given us permission to homeschool according to the needs and the learning styles of our kids, which is, you know, it's just a blessed thing to have that permission. It's so good. You know, and I think sometimes we judge our homeschool based on the workbooks we get done or the lessons that are completed, where life and learning is so much more than just the time we're sitting at the table doing our schoolwork. Those extracurriculars, the times where you serve together at church or meet a need in the community or visit the nursing home or even just sitting down and dealing with some character issues. Um, 
the learning that takes place and and letting them have free time to go explore and learn something they're interested in on their own sometimes you know so yes. we we sometimes judge things by grades and curriculum and we get to think outside that school box which is so amazing education was very important to both nancy and me and for our children i mean we want our kids to be well educated but when we're homeschooling we get to start with the child and not yes. scope and sequence chart to me it makes education even that much more powerful and effective um nancy one thing you and i've talked about a lot is that it all starts with relationships. Yes. We need to, you know, the our relationships with our kids should be primary. It's, it's real easy to get frustrated um, with the children if they're not tracking like they should or you don't finish as much as you want to. But I would really encourage you to preserve the relationship first and then work through all those other issues it's so true. You know, that is probably my greatest regret in our homeschool is there was a period of time where I focused more on behavior and getting our work done than I did on the relationship with my daughters. And um, I can say today that um, uh, my daughter is my very best friend. And so, you know, you can overcome. God fills in gaps. He's amazing yes. like that. Amen. I just think there is something we need to focus on and remember like that looking down the road. What kind of relationship do you want to have with your child in 10, 20, 30 years? And what can you do today to foster a healthy relationship? So when there is conflict, you know, I think I've told this story before. Olivia and I would fight over math. That was our thing. Uh, she's my oldest. <laughs> and um, there were times James, when he was working from home, would come downstairs, time out, time out. Mommy, go to your room. <laughs> Olivia, go to your room. And he would have to negotiate a peace treaty. Um, yeah. But there is something about working through conflict, working through those challenges that helps you have a stronger relationship. And so... You know, I value the relationship with my girls and I wish in looking back, there was that period of time where I wish I had known sooner that their behavior was something we were working on, nurturing, discipling, but it wasn't what defined them. You know, in that season, if there was a lot of back talk or whatever the issue was, it wasn't going to be their whole life and, and working through that with their heart in mind versus compliance if that makes sense. Yes. Yeah. Oh, I know exactly what you mean. So we're just, you know, we're really just encouraging you to love your kids and enjoy yes. them. You know, when I was a young mom and people would come up to me in the grocery store and they'd say, oh, cherish these days while you can. And you're thinking, I just want to get out of the grocery store with all these kids. <laughs> you know? So, but it's, but it is true. You want to try. I mean, I think that's one of the great things about being a grandmother is that yes. I know to really cherish this time. And also the bulk of the work is not falling on me. I get to really enjoy them and do the fun things. As a parent, you just have a lot of responsibility. Isn't it a joy as a grandmother, as grandparents, that um, you and Joe and James and I get to support support our kids with yes. their children, like to come yes. alongside them and just whatever they need, if we can support them and to enjoy those grandkids, it's, it really is an amazing season of life. It is. It, it is so much fun. Somebody tell me that, um, hang in there. Grandkids are coming, you know, <laughs> that makes it all worth it. <laughs>
<laughs> and don't you wish you could take what you learned now, like in this season and go back? Like I just, yes. we can't redo. Yes, I do. So we mm -hmm. can choose today. And here's what I love is God is so faithful and he's so good that, that even if you have years of history of you have a short fuse, you yell at your kids quickly, you know, whatever, whatever your issue is, um, start today. God can redeem that time and he can heal those broken places. I think we need to repent more than we do to our children, to apologize, yes. to seek their forgiveness because we care about the relationship. And I think it's just amazing to me looking back at how God smoothed over some of my own failures and he made up for those and has made this amazing future, you know? So we just have to trust him a lot more than we do. And, and in, enjoy the days. Thank you so much for listening to part one of my two-part conversation with my good friend, Nancy Manos on homeschooling when it gets hard. Be sure to tune in next week to hear the conclusion of this conversation. For more information, you can visit my website at zantyler.com. And if this podcast has been encouraging to you, please share it with your friends. Until next time, bye.